Welcome, Hugo. So pleased to speak to you today. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about Minima and where you're heading with that. Hi, Pima. Yes. Um, thank you very much for having me. Um, I think um, just to explain um, a little bit about what Minima is trying to achieve. Um, Minima is a new layer one blockchain protocol. Um, and going back to the core pro value proposition of a blockchain, which is to deliver censorship resistance through decentralization, the ability to come to consensus on the validity of an online transaction in a decentralized way to avoid the need for third parties to be relied upon to process and validate those transactions. But however, in the current blockchain um, marketplace, there are all other blockchains have middlemen or third parties involved in coming to consensus to secure the chain. If you take Bitcoin, for example, you have the miners who, because of the competition to find blocks, are pooling their resources to achieve economies of, and to achieve economies of scale, and therefore they're becoming centralized. Or you have proof of stake chains where those with the most stake have the most control in the chain. So, you know, and I think it's many in many ways, it's about the barriers to entry that have either been too high for everyone to take part in the consensus or the cost of equipment and the know-how is just too much, basically. So what we now have with Minima is we've now taken this to a, a, a whole new paradigm where Minima runs in full on a mobile device. So via an app, a simple app download, every user can run a full constructing and validating node on the device. And so it's so compact that it'll either run on your mobile or your laptop or eventually on chip. And so this means that there's literally no middlemen um, within our um, blockchain protocol. Um, and so that means everyone is an equal. Everyone is running it in exactly the same way as anyone else. And we have currently that. three... And we have currently 300,000 nodes um, running on the network across 187 countries. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's what we're trying to achieve. Um, I mean, in many ways, people, when, I, when we started building this in 2019, and people said, oh, it's a great idea, but it'll never happen, or I don't believe you. So we've now been building out our community and our um, network of um, people running the nodes over the last year and so we now have sort of the proof of the pudding that actually works and it functions as a full blockchain great and um, so do you want to uh, tell me i think you're about to launch your mainnet soon is that right yes so we're currently at mainnet beta um, and we have our sort of final version of the protocol up and running um, and we are looking to launch mainnet in q1 of 2023 and tell me a bit more about what that's going to look like. So, I mean, as I say, I mean, it's say we're aiming to get to um, a million a million users on the network when we get to mainnet launch, because um, you know the one thing that we need is we need lots of users. So everyone does a small amount of work that gets added together to create yeah. the um, proof of work to secure the chain. So we need lots of users, um, and in order to do that, I mean, I think you know, as I say, in order to be able to make that happen. We had to make it as accessible as possible. So you can now go to Google Play Store and download a full blockchain node on your on, on your mobile device um, as an app. Um, and right. it means that people, anyone can run it as long as you have um, Android 9 or above. Anyone can run it on their device. Wow, I'll have to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm on Android, Android 12, so I, I can do it then. That's great. There you go, perfect, uh, so yep. 
Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me um, about, uh, of course, we've all been focused on this Ethereum merge. Um, how, how, tell me about a little bit about that um, and how that's going to affect things in the uh, crypto scene. So, I mean, I think, yes, I mean, I think, you know, the, there was, that was all the headlines in the last few few yeah. um, weeks and months about it. And again, it was an extraordinary, um, you know, technical feat. I mean, people describe it as sort of changing the engine of a car while it's actually moving along. Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, that, that was an unbelievable sort of technical feat. But I think that the really interesting things um, is to really look at going back to the you know the original premise of a blockchain is is you know how decentralized is it because effectively that's the whole premise of a the whole reason of for having a um a, you know a blockchain is so that you can have decentralization um, and so now that ethereum has moved to proof of stake um because of the complex cost and complexity of running a full node, a full validating node on Ethereum. I mean, it costs 32 ETH, uh, which is you know around fifty thousand dollars now, um, and it says you need sort of three to five years of backend server experience to actually run a node. Um, so what that means is that actually. Um, you know, all, all, a lot of users have actually been delegating this job of running a validating node to centralized firms like Coinbase or Kraken or Lido. Um, and that means that actually 65% of the Ethereum network now is controlled by entities that are regulated. Um, and this is a very real uh, form of censorship. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's all very well um, moving to what's seen as an environmentally um, friendly um, consensus mechanism. But actually, if you're by the end, by ending up where there's a, uh, you have a your layer one chain that's actually, um, you know, run by um, potentially censorable entities, then then your chain sort of loses its make or value proposition. And so I think this is something that is going to become more and more of a debate in the coming months and years um, as as the sort of the middlemen and the um, third party entities um, tend towards centralization and become points of potential points of um, attack. Yes, it certainly um, changes the whole uh, ideal of um, that Bitcoin originally started with, obviously. So um, how do you, do you want to explain to me um, a bit about the difference between proof of work and um, proof of stake? Yeah, so I mean, I think I think um, you know it's it, it's all about the different consensus mechanisms that are used to uh, to verify the chain and to keep it secure. And so, with proof of work, you actually have to do work, um, external work, um, uh, processing transactions. Um, it means anyone can take part in that, um, but there's a you know there's a competition within proof of work, and it sits outside of the chain itself. Whereas with um, proof of stake, it's all about you know those who get to decide um, on the validity of transactions are the ones who have the largest stake on the network. And the theory being that the larger the stake, the less likely you are to be a bad actor. 
Um, however, what it does tend towards is that it tends towards, um, you know, the those with the largest stake, those are the richest, then effectively get to um, choose which transactions get validated. Um, and so, you know, there's a big debate. Um, I think that, you know, I think that, um, uh, that the argument often goes that um, if you want to have a, um, a, you know, a more environmentally friendly um, consensus mechanism, then you move towards proof of stake, but that will tend towards centralization. Um, and so the debate is whether or not you want to have a layer one that tends towards centralization or stays um, decentralized. And interestingly, so, you know, yeah, sorry. sorry. Uh, so with there's, I mean, a lot of bad actors recently uh, who have, uh, you know, lost billions. Um, so how does that like figure if if these um, if these very rich uh, people that own different platforms uh, can can call the shots? So, well, I mean, I think, I think, you know, I think in terms of the bad actors, that tends to be, you know, on the application layer or applications that sit with, sit above the right. um, uh, the base layers themselves. I mean, I think, you know, there's a there's a someone some someone said to me once that the you know the the uh, the, the most risky parts of, um, of of code are the fleshy parts, which are you know the developers or the users um, that can get can get hacked through social engineering. Um, and yeah. so it's always those areas. Um, I mean, you know, you look at you look at Bitcoin and the Bitcoin, the protocol itself um, has never been hacked. It's obviously there are lots of um, you know applications where they're exchanges or um, bridges that have been hacked, um, you know, and continue to be. Um, so it's those areas that are often sort of the most um, open to um, hacks and attacks. Um, I think that, you know, going back to the, you know, the looking at the the idea that um, uh, layer ones could be censored, you know, that might not necessarily be by design. Um, you know, the fact that all the users have pooled their um, their Ethereum um, and their, you know, their validating stakes into centralized entities um, is something that will become, you know, a, a bigger and bigger problem over time. Um, and I think that as soon as you have the centralization, centralizing elements of that, then you lose the power of a blockchain. You might as well go back to, um, you know, a, a centralized um, SQL database. Um, otherwise, you know, you're, not, you're paying for something that you don't need to be paying for in a way. Right. And um, so does the world really need another layer of um, layer one blockchain protocol? And um, so tell us, like, give, give, give us your pitch about Minima, like how special it is. So, you know, as I say, I mean, I think that if you if you if you're in agreement with the original um, Bitcoin white paper, that yeah. um, that censorship resistance is needs to be achieved for um, online transactions, and that censorship resistance comes from um, decentralization of the consensus. Then um, you know you need to look at which which protocols are out there and which ones are central. Which ones the, the levels of centralization? Because I think centralization is not um, is is not a um, on a, um, a continuum. It's either you either centralized or you're not. Because um, as soon as you have elements of centralization, whether that's mining pools or that staking, then those are the areas that will get attacked um, at some point. And so there's there's a you lose the censorship resistance there. Um, where minimum
Anonymous coming at it is um, from is that because everyone can run a full validating constructed node on their device from the beginning, there's no elements of centralization within it. So everyone is an equal. No one has more power than anyone else. So every single user is in complete control of their own data um, and their own, their own coins um, and their own identity. And I think that is where um, blockchain is should be taking us. And that's where Web3, I mean, that's the premise of Web3. Everyone should be right. able to be in control of their own data and their, all, um, and their own um, uh, identity. And I guess with um, the recent um, shaming of uh, sites like Facebook, such a horrible site, <laughs> and um, and some of the other big tech in Silicon Valley, um, it certainly sounds very appropriate uh, timing to be coming um, along with this. And so great. Um, I've been following Bitcoin since um, 2008 when it was first um, started to be talked about. Um, and I know um, I was in Dublin in Ireland at that time um, with my business. And um, uh, when I went to the US, people couldn't believe they actually called me a liar. <laughs> Because uh, they didn't believe that I could have been following it that long. But it was like a delayed reaction in the US, which is very interesting. But I love the whole philosophy about Bitcoin. I, I just think it's um, fantastic. And it sounds like you're really trying to keep that um, intact through your platform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we going back, always go back down to the core principles of, of Bitcoin. Um, and I think that, you know, we've benefited, Minim has benefited, A, from hindsight in terms of working out the best way to build it out to be lean and compact, but also benefited from technology um, developments as well. You know, back in 2008, the smartphone had only just been born. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was in everyone's hands. And so yeah. when, when Satoshi wrote the Bitcoin white paper to think that everyone would be running Bitcoin nodes on their, on their laptops, then that was one thing. But then obviously the competition meant that it became became an industry uh, yeah. whereas you know smartphones are incredibly powerful now and so actually everyone yeah. has you know the vast majority of the world has access to a mobile phone um and we've you know the, the technology that we use means that we can actually run a full validating instruction node not only on a mobile phone but also on um on sim cards and also uh, eventually on chip as well which means all connected devices will be able to be part of um of the network i mean you know for example i mean one of the big areas that we are working at at the moment it's a couple of areas so we have handset manufacturers who are talking to us about embedding a minimum node at factory stage um, onto the phones to have web3 enabled phones um, and we're wow. also talking to the automotive industry um that are looking to embed um, nodes into their vehicles um, to sort of you know, track um, telemetry data of the vehicle itself, but also to be able to um, communicate securely with other brands that aren't the same brand as theirs um, in terms of um, uh, you know, data, in terms of um, um, data where they are on the, on the, on the car, in the, on the road. What other what other vehicles are around, um, and also pay for things like electricity charging and toll booths and all of that kind of stuff, basically. So that is something where um, you know when you're trying to create an autonomous world, autonomous vehicles, then you need a blockchain 
to be able to securely um, communicate and you need a blockchain that fits in full on devices rather than being centrally run by either validators or um, Bitcoin miners in mining farms. So inspiring to talk to you today, Hugo. I'm so impressed by the platform, I have to say. And um, yeah, I just wish you all the success in the world. because this really is um, more aligned with the original philosophy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, let's let's pray that everything, like, goes your way. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you very much for your time. I really enjoyed it. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Hugo.